This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. You're just not got a free shot on all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bann. It's Friday, 2 February, the year of our Lord, 2024. Uh, welcome back for the second hour of the morning show. Uh, good news report, the, the site, Liz, your site has crashed because of the traffic. By the way, the site the other day, the guy came on crash too. So complicitclergy.com, they, and they'll send you hopefully to a backup site. It's crashing, but make sure you get there today, see what the Catholics are doing, the traditional Catholics are doing um, to end this really um, horrible, horrible situation with the Catholic Church where Catholic Charities is one of the biggest supporters of uh, sex trafficking, drug trafficking, working with the cartels, all of it, under the name of uh, Catholics throughout this country. It's a disgrace. And, and Liz Jordan, these guys have an alternative that you can go do uh, right now. Mike Lindell, uh, a couple of his people have been all over me about these specials that you're giving the Warren Posse because Fox has cut you off. Can you walk through some of the specials? Where do they go? How do they get the free shipping? Yeah, the, the, the uh, go to MyPillow.com. But the one special we were doing on on Fox was going to be the uh, the My Pillow 2.0 at 39.98 for the Queen. We're taking an extra ten dollars off for the War Room Posse, uh, 29.98 king size, just five dollars more. And then we're there. The, there it is, right there at the War Room Posse, the exclusive for the War Room Posse. Get it. This is where it all started. The My Pillow, the My Pillow, and now we have the My Pillow 2.0. Over 83 million My Pillows sold. Free shipping on your entire order, and we're including in that it, the blankets that came in that we were going to have on TV, uh, the commercials, all the blankets are here, and we still have some of the flannel sheets. Remember, the last of them came in earlier in the week, everybody, so get the flannel sheets before they're gone, and uh, there they are on the upper left there. Uh, those are on sale, the blankets. Uh, you have the... Um, the down comforters, we left them on sale, 60% off. Get those. They're the best comforters in the world. Um, and then we have our beds and mattress toppers, you guys. Get yeah. this now while we get the free shipping. Okay. Okay. Uh, free shipping, 800-873-1062 is the number. MyPillow.com promo code War Room. You get all the free, all the stuff is supposed to be for the Fox guys you get because Fox has blocked him. One of the reasons Fox has blocked you, and you're going to be with me on the Saturday show. What is this? I thought Robin Voss was a good guy. I thought Robin Voss was a fighter up there in Wisconsin. Uh, but you're hosting something. You're going to be part of something that I guess disagrees with that. Absolutely. It's uh, call Robin Voss. We have a, a um, I'm speaking there for two hours. I'm, I'm, I'm th- you and we're, we're makes it all possible so I can get, get away from my pill, get out there and fight for our country. I have two, Two Republicans every day, I, I, I completely uh, tell the country how bad they are. It's Robin Voss and Brad Rassenberger. Robin Voss is Speaker of the House of Wisconsin. He's done more to block our election, to secure our elections than, every, than anyone in this country and equal to Rassenberger. But he has blocked, uh, when he did a 
his big investigation for Gableman. He stopped that. Be careful what you find, Rob. They found all this all this fraud in Wisconsin. Then he said, I won't do anything. I can't do anything until judges rule on it. Then the Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled that there was fraud, and he still did nothing. Then he went recall. Um, Megan Wolf was getting ousted, and okay. he went and he stopped that from happening. Yep. Robin Voss is a very okay, so bad what, so, guy. So, 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 he's a bad guy. So what are you doing about it? And where do people go to find out more about it? Uh, they can go to uh, LindellPlan.com. Everybody, check it out there. We've got it all posted. I'm flying there. We're having this huge rally on Sunday in Wisconsin. We're going to uh, we're going to uh, get everybody on this petition, and we will we will get this done. I've heard uh, it's been going on for about a month now. We've had people on the ground. We've had ads out, Steve, and now it all comes to a head when I speak there. For and I got plenty to say about Robin Voss on Sunday. Let me tell you. Okay. Okay, let's put the ad up. Where do people go right now? By the way, good news. I'm just hearing the CPAC site crashed because of the traffic from the war room. So come on, folks. (laughs) You're on a roll. The complicit clergy crashed, CPAC crashed. Where do they go? Uh, Let's make my pillow crash. But where do they go for the Robin Voss of it all? Uh, LindellPlan.com. Go to LindellPlan.com. We're going to have everything posted there for the Robin Voss. uh, uh, for on on uh, Sunday, okay. where you can go, how you can get involved, Perfect. it's going to be a okay. huge, huge, huge rally. Okay. Hey, remember, you go to support my pillow, so you can free up Lindell to go around the country and cause havoc. Thank you, Mike Lindell, brother. See, see you in a little while. Big right, announcement right. today. Yep. Thanks, brother. Uh, Brad, uh, you've got some. Uh, I, I want to go through your charts. I know you got to bounce. Also, this yep. Professor Nye at Harvard, the 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 guy mm-hmm. that look, he he. Uh, he hates MAGA. He hates the deplorables. Yeah. He wrote this unctuous article about what America, everything he said about American greatness depends upon the deplorables, depends upon MAGA, depends upon the working class in this nation. And he had the audacity then to say the greatest threat to the United States of America, it's in print, but the greatest threat to the United States of America is the populist nationalist movement, and it's a greater threat to the United States than the Chinese Communist Party. Talk to me about your uh, charts, uh, Brett. What do you got for me? Yeah, well, the the American people know, right, that tax uh, package uh, that we've been talking about, et cetera. Everything's an expansion of government. CBO has us growing at 1.5% for the next 20 years. Uh, The elites always pose and project their media explanations in a way that you cannot understand it. The American people know uh, what's going on. And their real lived experience in the first chart, Denver, if you want to pull up, the uh, 64% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Doesn't matter what group you're in uh, across Democrats, Republicans, liberals, conservatives, 64% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, Interesting, more than half of those in the wealthiest income bracket earning more than $75,000. And interestingly, the investor class, uh, folks over 75 grand and investors are having a hard time living month to month. Uh, Next chart, uh, this one's uh, probably more staggering and makes your heart go out uh, to the the middle class and poor. Uh, When you look at that chart, that top red bar that goes way off to the right, 24% of Americans have no savings whatsoever, right? So uh, what happens? Uh, Your refrigerator breaks, your car breaks, you need a new, you got a flat tire, right? No savings. Then the next bar down, less than a thousand bucks is another 20%. 
So you got 24 plus 20, 44% of fellow Americans have less than a thousand bucks in savings to get by. Hang on, hang on, hang on. You're telling me the two thirds, roughly two thirds of the nation live in paycheck to paycheck. In addition, almost 50% of the nation can't put their hands on a thousand dollars in cash in case any emergency comes up. That's the situation of our country. Yeah. Yeah. You get a kid's medical bill. What do you do? You're right. You, you start crying and you, you take him to the emergency room, et cetera. And, and uh, this this is the plight of our country. And this is what the politicians got to get straight. Right. You, you've been making a really important point that needs to be drilled through this Keynesian economics thing right now. Right now is a time where, oh, we got three or four percent economic growth. OK, if that's what the establishment globalists are telling us, you don't need any more Keynesian infusions of cash. We don't need the government to do anything. We need the government to get out of our lives. The American people are perfectly capable of working hard and running their own business. And if they're not, well, sorry, that's uh, the way the thing needs to be set up. And we got to get back to the old days where you just work for a living, get the government out of our face, et cetera. (laughs) This goes back to the to the Jason Smith tax bill. On macroeconomics 101, if you if you and you but remember the 3.8 percent growth is phony too because that's only driven by government spending. Right. Okay. It's right. not real economic yep. growth. It's not real growth. But if, if in looking at that number, the last thing you would do is pass right. a welfare expansion, particularly for illegal aliens, right. that could cost one that could add one point five trillion dollars to the deficit. That's just throwing fuel onto the fire of uh, yep. of interest rates. And of making the debt yep. higher to refinance, of making those folks that remember the ones living like paycheck to paycheck. Let me give you the bad news about them: they're gapping it by a credit card. This is why we have yeah. one point yeah. two to one point five trillion dollars of credit card debt. Twenty percent of that's non-performing. Twenty percent of it's not performing because people have to gap it. And if you talk to Gen Z, you talk to the millennials, talk people that are getting bonuses. What where they spend their bonus at the end of the year to pay down the credit card as much as they can to start the whole cycle over again. And that's why they're on the wheel. They have no chance for capital formation, no chance to buy a home, no chance to accumulate anything. This you're in a, you're, this is, you're in a doom loop. And by the continued, the massive spending just increases. Steve Schwartzman is no friend of MAGA. Steve Schwartzman is a globalist. And he just came out today and said, we can't continue to do this. The, the, yeah. the structural $2 trillion deficit is the central problem that Congress must address. And if Johnson's going to sit there and lie to people and bring and suspend the rules because he can't get the bill to the floor unless he suspends it, and that means he needs two-thirds, he needs all Democrat votes to pass a welfare expansion that could add another trillion to the deficit at the very moment we have to be cutting the deficit. And now we're hearing he's going to bring the Israeli, which is only $14 billion, but it's symbolic. You have to offset that. It can't be clean. And the, and the Ukraine has to be zero. Now they're trying to say, oh, well, we're not going to pay for the pension funds and we're not going to pay for the, the health care because Bannon and the war room are all over that. They outed us on that. So we're just going to pay for the ammo. We're just going to pay for the, the weapons. And that's really all going to Huntsville, Alabama. No, we're tired of killing Ukrainians. The, you've got a coup going over there. The top general is going to get fired. He says, I'm not going anywhere. No money for Ukraine. Only money to Israel if it's offset. Right. No money for this border uh, fiasco. The, 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 the this bill that is nothing, nothing more than an amnesty uh, codification. And certainly Johnson's uh, Smith's tax thing has to die in the Senate. Day Brett. 
Yeah, I had a chart I was going to put up last week. Uh, go Google the uh, you know C plus I plus G plus net exports back in uh, 1960. You'll find no programs. And we had economic growth and productivity somehow without the government. And the poor were doing better and the jobs were doing better and we had less people in poverty and African-Americans and Hispanics were making in income improvements. And then comes the government sector growing like crazy. Our government sector, as I said last week, is bigger than China's government sector. Right, we're 18% of GDP. China is a communist totalitarian regime. Their government sector is 14%, and they control everything in China with that 14%. So the, the, the swamp has proven they're incapable of, of incentivizing manufacturing. Every time they say that, it's a gift to the Magnificent Seven. I, you know, you ought to have, have to have metal in your, in your product to call it manufacturing if you're going to do legislation. <laughs> But the best legislation exactly. is just to get rid of the be. government sector, right? Right, right. Get take it down. Put put some tariffs up. Let <laughs> one last thing before you go. You talk about Meta. Josh Hawley yeah. made and Zuckerberg's dumb enough. He hasn't. Been, this is what a robot is. He says he want to apologize, and the idiot stands up and apologizes to the people that they destroyed the families with social media on on Meta, right on Facebook. Then today yeah. he announces. They have a dividend, and he's getting $700 million personally in the dividend. Just one more time before right. we go. What's the meta in this in this quote-unquote tax bill for mom and pops, yeah. for the people that own the, the laundry and the people that you know have the little uh, 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 bodega and all the mom and pops? Talk to me about yeah. the tech, what's going to happen to meta because they've got the guys all over Jim Jordan, and this is McCarthy Sequoia Capital. Just give me the tax rate that's going to happen to meta in this deal. Yeah, tens of billions in profits. Uh, that's extra icing on top of everything. Uh, and their effective tax, tax rate goes from 25% down to negative 2%. Just call it zero. So the effective tax rate of Zuckerberg making tens of billions, getting hundreds of millions personally, hey. uh, and he's getting the benefits in these tax packages because that's the way they're written, right? They're just written to incentivize tax cuts across the board yeah. or whatever, but the rich... Get all the uh, get all the benefits. The poor get nothing. Uh, Brett, where do people go? All the political opinions are your own. Where do people yeah. go to get your charts, sir? Yep, uh, just Brett Economics on Getter. I just want to give a call out to some great patriots, John and Heidi Holcomb down in Houston, best hosts family I ever had. Rebecca Cash, Katie Texas, great job. Senator Mays Middleton and John Perez, up up and comer in Houston, doing America First. Everyone down there in Texas loves Steve Bannon and the War Room. Keep it up. God bless you, brother. We love the Lone Star State. Thank you, Brett. Short commercial break. Back in a moment. For War Room veterans, you know we have been all over this supply chain issue with China and medications and the uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients. China has a stranglehold on us where there's a way to break that. Jace Medical. I got an emergency medication kit from them. The FDA just declared a global shortage of medication and warned that critical antibiotics are in extreme short supply across the United States. But you know that because you're a viewer or listener of the show. Now, here's the action you can take to correct. Do yourself and your family a favor and get your Jace case right now. It's a pack of five prescription antibiotics you'll have on hand for common emergencies. Just visit jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Take a few minutes and fill out the form. Your information will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medication will be dispensed 
by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. You'll be glad you have the Jace case. Go to Jace Medical, that's one word, J-A-S-E, medical.com, and enter code Bannon at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code Bannon at Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. You know what the problem is because you've watched the show. You can break, you can take action and break that problem by going to Jace Medical and get your Jace case today. Action, action, action. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, uh, as you know, in the war room, <clears throat> we have we have the war room actual personnel and folks. And we monitor MSNBC and CNN, and you know we do a very special job on MSNBC. Of course, we heard today from Axios that Joe Biden actually loves Morning Mika even more than the war room. Uh, so we monitor those. We also monitor BBC. I personally always have Bloomberg TV on probably 24-7. The only time I don't have it on is when David Rubenstein uh, the corrupt head of Carlisle does his two hours or hour interviews. I cut it off for that. But the reason I have it, it's the best for looking at markets and real-time information and real-time data. And it's, uh, I, you know, hat tip. I'm no fan of Bloomberg. A hat tip to him uh, coming off the, um, the terminals to put, I think, really the best TV uh, networks up there. Of course, we're all over Bloomberg as a new service. want to bring in now... Uh, Josh Green. Josh Green is a uh, senior, I guess I don't know if you're editor or reporter, but you've done, your claim to fame is that you are probably the one writer in the business area that's followed the politics of the populist right, the rise of the populist right, and the populist left. You did it first with a book called uh, Devil's Bargain, which really was preceded with many interviews you did with me when I was running Breitbart. In fact, many of those in the Breitbart Embassy. Then you did a book after yep. Trump won, and you t- talked about the entire rise of the populist right. Then the last couple of years, you've spent, you've got a new book out. You went back and did the exact same thing to the populist left. So here's the question to start off with. Why is it, and I've seen some of your interviews, why is it that this is obviously the most important combined political uh, you know, process or event or dynamic in modern America? And really nobody covers it and stuff to yell at it and say how horrible it is. And even when I see the interviews done with you, it, most people, it's like you're speaking a foreign language. And this has nothing to do with conservative versus liberal because you've done it on the populist right and then you're doing the populist left and they don't even understand yeah. what you're talking about on the populist left. What is it about the modern media infrastructure that they can't understand and look at exactly what is happening in the United States, which is there's a populist revolt happens to be on the right with Trump, happens to be on the left with a kind of a gaggle of people. They don't have a Trump-like figure yet, but it's clearly the dynamic that's driving things, including Biden, the biggest globalist in the world, trying to be Joe from Scranton. Josh Green. You know, I think, in my experience, mainstream media tends to focus on personalities. That's how they cover politics. It's a little easier. You don't have to delve into the policy as much. You don't have to have... Um, you know, a knowledge of, of the broader sweep of history. But but to me, I mean, the reason I wrote Devil's Bargain on the rise of, of Trump and you and the MAGA movement was because th- there was something much deeper going on. It was clear in, in all my reporting uh, th- than just the rise of a popular presidential personality. And so I wanted to tell that story between hard covers. And, you know, to my mind, uh, an equal and... and um, as important phenomenon has happened on the left. And that's why the, my new book, The Rebels, 
is on the rise of basically the mirror image of Trump's right-wing populism. It's, it's the story of the rise of left populism since the 2008 financial crisis, uh, which I think was the tectonic political event in my adult lifetime, definitely helped give rise to Trump, but it also produced a backlash on the left and a whole crowd of, you know, what you might call left deplorables who decided they were sick of uh, a Wall Street-centric Democratic Party, uh, and they were going to rise up and elect a different breed of politicians that would put pressure on them from the populist left. Why has it seemed like the Democratic Party, though? Let's go, I want to go back because the – and I keep I call him out all the time. Bernie Sanders, who's central to your book as one of these leaders of the populist left, had two shots yeah. at taking on the classic – the classic – globalist in the Clinton mafia or the Clinton apparatus. And in fact, as you know, I was brought into the Trump campaign in August of 2016, not because I knew anything about running campaigns, but I was an expert in taking on the Clintons over at Breitbart. Mm. Why then did the populist left under Bernie and the Bernie bros fail to take the fight to the Clintons? I think in 2015, and I tell this story in the new book, that uh, Bernie Sanders initially wasn't going to run. He thought Elizabeth Warren was going to run because she was the one with all the juice in Democratic circles in 2014, 2015. There were two draft movements to pull her in. I remember talking to you at the time, and you had a little bit of nervousness about the, the rise of a left populist and what that might do for Democrats. But Warren decided not to run, so Bernie got in initially as a message, a message kind of a factional candidate to try and push Democrats to the left, I don't think that he understood the movement that he was going to be able to generate or the political threat that he was going to pose to Hillary Clinton. So it wasn't until about halfway through the 2016 Democratic primaries, once Sanders start caught fire, once this idea of left-wing populism caught fire among a lot of especially younger um, and blue-collar voters, that Sanders even understood he had a chance. And we all know what happened at that point, the entire establishment of the Democratic Party circled the wagons around Hillary Clinton, who everyone knew was a flawed candidate, and did just enough to keep Bernie Sanders from winning the nomination. How was it then, in your estimate, did Trump, who's not a politician, understood the energy of this new politics and could speak its language and harness that on the right, yet Bernie, who had been part of all these kind of left-wing movements and all that, not understand what he had early on? Yeah, it, it's a good question. I mean, I think, you know, I tell the deep history in, in The Rebels, my new book, about how it was that the Democratic Party first fell under the sway of Wall Street in the 1980s and in the 1990s, and how that ultimately sort of lit a long fuse that blew up the powder keg in 2008 of the global economy and created this anger and this backlash, uh, not just on the right, but also on the left. I think the, the secret to Trump's success isn't really much of a secret at all. I mean, he embodied that backlash anger uh, at the establishment, at Wall Street, at the politicians who were responsible for a lot of this better than anybody else uh, on the right or the left. I think part of the reason Bernie didn't take off quite to the same extent was he had been around for years and years saying essentially the same thing and hadn't gotten a lot of attention. I mean, I remember covering him when he was in Congress, and we viewed him as a crank and a, and a gadfly. Uh, fun guy to talk to, didn't have a contingent in Congress. A lot of times you'd see a vote that was like 400 to 1, Bernie be that one guy. I don't think people appreciated 
in real time until Bernie started drawing stadium crowds, um, the real power of that populist message on the left, and it just wasn't quite enough in 2016 to derail the Clinton juggernaut, which had been building up literally for years. Um, you know, Clinton was expecting a coronation, and she didn't end up getting it. And the idea, you know, the fact that it was even as close as it was, that, that Bernie was able to put together this movement that really threatened her uh, and weakened her was something that nobody saw coming and didn't appreciate at the time. I mean, I remember talking to you, talking to other people on the populist right who said, you know, Trump's got a lot of that same populist Bernie energy. I remember going to Trump rallies and saying, hey, who, who's your second choice? And it would be Bernie. And I remember going to Bernie rallies and talking to guys in, you know, Michigan and Wisconsin. I said, who's your second choice? And it was Trump. It wasn't Hillary Clinton. So I think the Democrats kind of missed, missed the boat twice. First, on, on when Bernie first came around, and second, once Clinton was the nominee, they thought the populist threat was behind them and that she would traipse to the presidency, and we all know that didn't happen. And a lot of the story that I tell in the book, I think the historical significance of Warren and Bernie and to a lesser extent AOC is that they really carried that populist mantle and have shifted the direction of the Democratic Party away from that Wall Street uh, you know, globalist image that they had in the 2000s and towards something that overlaps at least to a decent degree on economics with Trumpism, whether it's you know Biden keeping the steel tariffs in place or focus on union jobs and reshoring manufacturing jobs, that sort of thing. You can see the populist change in the Democratic Party, and it's because of these three characters. Let, let, me, let me go back to, I want to go back to, though, how to originate it? How did because I come from a democratic family. Now we left during the Vietnam yeah. War, and then particularly with President Reagan, we were classic Reagan Democrats. But I want to go back to the 1990s. You said 80s and 90s. I think it's really the 90s. How did the Democratic Party leave a being a party of the working class, which now the Trump movement is in the Republican Party? Yep. How did that start? How did it start? And how did it culminate in 2008? You know, the, the, the story I tell in the book, the kind of history of the rise of the Wall Street Democrats, it, it begins in the late 70s when labor used to be uh, the money and the muscle behind the Democratic Party, and labor was in decline. Ronald Reagan got elected in 1980, obviously an attractive, uh, telegenic guy. It became clear to Democrats, to everybody, that American politics was entering a, a new age where politics was going to be fought on TV. Uh, you know, to do that costs a lot of money that Democrats didn't have. So initially, as I write about in the book, the, the, the Democratic con uh, contact with Wall Street was, was limited to fundraising. They knew we, could, we can kind of tap into this war chest. We can start pumping some of this Wall Street money into the party. Uh, and that's all it'll take. That'll get us back on our feet. But as you know, what happened over the years was those fundraisers wound up moving into positions in government. And so you have people like uh, Robert Rubin at Goldman Sachs, who began as, I think, a Mondale fundraiser and a fundraiser for the DCCC. You fast forward to the Clinton administration in the 90s, and suddenly he's the leading economic advisor. So I think the nature of the party uh, and who it was appealing to changed because of the type of person that was staffing Democratic administrations. You know, whether you call it, you know, New Democrats or Third Way or Wall Street Democrats or whatever, uh, it took a very um, kind of market-forward approach to achieving or trying to achieve what had traditionally been liberal Democratic goals, but it, it, it deregulated so much and handed so much power to Wall Street that 
uh, they basically went crazy, and you saw the effects of, of, of what that led to in 2008 and 2009 uh, on both sides. You know, the, the, the kind of Jeb Bush wing of the Republican Party was rejected, and, and the Clinton wing was ultimately rejected. Uh, hang on for one second. Uh, Josh Green from Bloomberg joins us. The new book is The Rebels. It's kind of the continuation of the story, the rise of populism in this country. Devil's Bargain was the rise of the populist right. The Rebels is the rise of the populist left. Short commercial break. Be back in the warm in a moment. For 10 years, Patriot Mobile has been America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. We need to stand together and support companies that share our values. Patriot Mobile offers dependable nationwide coverage, giving you the ability to access all three major networks, which means you get the same coverage you've been accustomed to, but without funding the left. If you're sick and tired of the globalist leftist takeover of America's corporations, go to PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon TV. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon TV and support a company that actually believes in America. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're sending the message that you support free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, Second Amendment, and our military veterans and first responder heroes. Their 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching incredibly easy. Keep your number. Keep your phone or upgrade. Just go to PatriotMobile.com slash TV or call 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT and get free activation today with the offer code Bannon. PatriotMobile.com slash TV or call 972-PATRIOT. Remember, take action, use your agency. Action, action, action. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Josh Green from Bloomberg joins us. He's the chronicler of the rise of President Trump the MAGA movement, the deplorables, the populist right, and devil's bargain. Now he's done the same for the uh, for the left in uh, the rebels. Uh, and we're going to talk about where that's left us with Biden and going forward in a moment. But is there anything that from that time before 2008 that strikes you as that defining moment where you can see that the Democratic Party has kind of shifted from the, the Bannon working class Irish to, uh, to be owned and controlled by Wall Street? I mean, to, to me, the moment that's always stood out was early in Bill Clinton's administration. You know, James Carville is the sort of bannon of that race that, that, that gets Clinton elected. And Clinton had run on a middle-class stimulus program, and he gets into office, and Clinton meets with Alan Greenspan, who tells him, no, 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 we're not going to do that. Uh, you know, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna worry about the bond traders, and you're going to have to sacrifice that stimulus. And to me, you know, Carville had that famous line. He said, I used to think when I was a kid, that if I were ever reincarnated, I'd want to come back as, as Babe Ruth or something like that. Now I know that I want to come back as a bond trader because that's who has all the power in American politics and in the American economy. And the point was, Carville's point was, was that the Democratic Party, uh, elected on a promise to raise up the middle class, had instead done Wall Street's bidding in a way that the cost him the middle-class promises that he'd made. I mean, to me, that was one of the early signs of where the party was heading. And, you know, Clinton had, president is, you know, his presidency, you had the, this growth in GDP, but you also had him do things like um, 
remove Glass-Steagall, separating investment from commercial banking, all kinds of financial deregulation that he thought was going to supercharge the American economy, uh, instead led to the financial crisis in 08. And you can kind of project from that moment forward and see the way that uh, the Democratic Party subordinated the interests of uh, workers and the working class in order to go in this new direction. And I think a lot of our politics over the last 15 years is a backlash to that shift, both on the left and on the right. You know, the guy, the guy who engineered the first Wall Street bailout was George W. Bush. He was still president when Lehman Brothers crashed and all of that TARP bailout money went to the guys on Wall Street instead of the people on the middle class. I think it took a decade for people in both parties, President Trump and President Biden, to understand that there needed to be a course correction so that the next time we had a big crash in the economy like we did after COVID, the response would be different and it would be more focused on ordinary workers. Let's, I want to go to that. You've got Trump understands his underlying forces and he can communicate as a, as a great communicator and really connect, you know, connect with working class people. Biden yeah. in the book, Biden is a history. I, I don't think you could pick a bigger globalist. He represents Delaware, which is the credit card companies in the financial system. He is a globalist on foreign affairs. He, he prides himself in that. He is the epitome of really uh, uh, Obama runs as an anti-war populist on the left and beats Hillary Clinton. He's put as a babysitter. Mm-hmm. How does a how does a globalist then thwart these forces of populism in the Democratic Party? And then, of course, you know, in the war room, the election was stolen, but even try to come up against Trump. Why do they select a, a globalist to then try to be a faux populist? It's a good question. I think there's two reasons. Uh, one, there were two left populists running in that 2020 Democratic primary, Warren and Bernie. And I, I tell the story in The Rebels of sort of how they, how they split, why they were at each other's throats. But, but at a fundamental level... You had you had left populist voters that had to split their votes between those two candidates. I think that was a part of it. But if you go back to early in that race, I was embedded with Warren for a while when she was briefly winning. You remember in September of 2019, the whole Democratic race was shaped around Warren, uh, a billionaire's tax, real kind of populist sentiments that were that were popular. And then when she went down, Bernie took the baton. He was leading for a while. But it got to a point, I think, in February, March, where Democrats said to themselves, listen, this stuff all sounds good, but the only thing we really want to do is get Donald Trump out of the White House. And they understood that Joe Biden, as as an old, white, safe-seeming guy, was probably the safest pair of hands to accomplish that. And so they all got behind Biden. I think that's that's the story of, of why left populism sputtered in 2020 right there. But I will say, I think Biden, to his credit, has taken on a lot of these popular, uh, a lot of these policies, not just from people like Bernie and Warren, but from people like Trump. You know, when Biden got in, he didn't he didn't scale back Trump's China tariffs. He's quietly held on to them. If you look at what Biden has done as president, he's done the same kind of infrastructure things that Trump was talking about. So nobody likes to talk about it, but there's an overlap especially on economics between the populist left and the populist right. Uh, and I don't think that's any accident. You see now we're having a huge fight within the Republican Party between the donors. So we call it this phony primary. Uh, and yeah. the fight on the populist right is going on and more vicious than ever. And the money, now they may be waking up. Scott Besant had this big piece about <clears throat> a Trump rally. Schwartzman came out today and said uh, – 
and said that these deficits are, are not containable. Trump's got to be back in office. You've got Jamie Dimon petting MAGA on the head, saying MAGA yeah. are great, the deplorables are great, maybe getting ready for his run in 2028 as a populist. Um, wh- wh- where do you see this fight now? Between the, is the populist left actually dead? Or, or is it? do you have a new generation of the Ro Kahanas and the Fettermans that are going to pop up? Because AOC seems like she didn't quite grasp the economics of it. She becomes kind of a mar- in our view, kind of a marginal character. Elizabeth Warren, Bernie, they're 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 not they're not headliners now. Yeah, no, they're not running it. Look, I I think that the left, the populist left, is actually more unified right now than than folks on the right are. If you look at Warren, Bernie, and AOC, any one of those three could have run against Joe Biden. Uh, in 2024 in the Democratic primary. Uh, you know, we all know that Biden isn't isn't a very imposing presidential candidate, but they all chose not to, I think because, you know, to varying degrees, he's taken up big parts of their agenda, whether it's uh, the, the, the stimulus payments and all of the uh, manufacturing and reshoring stuff that Warren and Bernie had talked about, whether it's environmental stuff. You know, the IRA had buried within it $300 billion for climate measures that AOC had wanted. So I think that they're pretty pretty unified behind Biden, and that's why you don't see a lot of fractures on the left. That's why the best challenger to Biden um, that Democrats could produce was a kind of, you know, oddball like this guy dean phillips who's out there running this quixotic campaign to do i don't know what um but on the right i mean that's what's interesting to me sitting in bloomberg all day looking at the financial news uh cross you've got nikki haley out there who a lot of republican billionaires are avidly supporting even after she's gone oh and two in iowa and in new hampshire uh, you know, I, I think that there's a big fight going on right now for what the future of the Republican Party is going to look like. For as strong as Trump looks right now in the GOP primaries, you look at the money class on Wall Street and the money class of Republicans, uh, and they are digging in their heels, and a lot of them are, are kind of kicking and screaming uh, to not have to get up and line behind, line up behind Donald Trump again to try and prop up Haley's candidacy and hope that either the justice system or health problems or, you know, a comet from outer space can can slow down Donald Trump and let her slip into that role and go back to more of, um, you know, a neoconservative pro-Wall Street Republican Party like we had back in the 90s. What do you see these fights on Capitol Hill? You sit at Bloomberg and, and watch the uh, and watch the terminals and you see this massive fight now over the over the budget. Then you've got the Ukraine situation. You've got the border mess thing. They just put this, we call it a welfare expansion. They're trying to hide it as a tax, but it's another <clears throat> trillion and a half dollars. Do you see this fight going on, and do you see much work between Gates and maybe other populists on the left to try to stop some of these things? Or do you see this, uh, do you see this as the money class of, of neoliberal neoconism continues to win on Capitol Hill? I mean, I, I think this is just the old story of Washington where, you know, uh, no matter who, who is popular out front of the camera, no matter who is getting the attention of the media, whether it's Gates, who is up in New Hampshire, uh, or Trump, behind the scenes, you have armies of lobbyists in Washington trying to do their bidding, trying to get their tax breaks, uh, trying to push for stuff that they know isn't popular, uh, either on the MAGA right or on the populist left. And that's that's what a lot of the fight is. Um on, on Wall Street. I mean, to, to me, the thing that I'm waiting to see is will there be, as you said, a, a kind of teaming up between folks like Gates on the right 
uh, and populists on the left in, in Congress. I haven't seen a lot of evidence of it. I think because the two parties are, are so polarized that um, at, at least to folks like AOC on the left, the idea of teaming up with him would be toxic. Um, but I think as we see, you know, the primaries play out, especially assuming Nikki Haley goes away at some point fairly soon, I think what's going to shape up in the fall in 2024, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this, is really going to be a battle between uh, Trump's right-wing version of populism and Biden's left-wing version of populism that's been informed by the characters in my book, uh, Warren, Bernie, and AOC, to try and see you know, who can, who can win over middle America, right? Trump, as you and I have talked about endless times, ended up winning Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. He swept all three of them in 2016. Biden came back and carried him in 2020. That's that's where the 2024 election is going to be decided, I think. I don't think it's going to be Georgia and Arizona. I think it's going to be middle America, the heartland, and the same kind of voters. And I think the Biden folks recognize that, and that's why they're putting such an effort into trying to direct money to, to these deindustrialized places and build new factories um, you know, for batteries, for electric cars, for, for what have you. See, we think, uh, and I want to spend some time where people can get the book, we think that true populism, which President Trump represents, offsets. Biden's still a globalist at the end of the day. He's still, he's still a neoliberal, neocon. You see this in his national security. You see it really in his economics. He does put a veneer on it. I think where you're going to see true populism, I think, is in this next generation. I think Ro Kahana, when I see Ro Kahana out in Ohio talking about economic patriotism, and he admits that's Peter Navarro's and our economic nationalism yeah. with a nicer glean on it, right? Or, or you see Fetterman, who I've been the most critical, calling him a cyborg. You see Fetterman up there taking a hard stand against the U.S. steel acquisition. You see Fetterman. I mean, Fetterman's coming across trying to, I think a lot of it's to try to help Biden in Pennsylvania because Biden's not a true populist. Fetterman's trying to be an America first Democrat. Anyway, Josh, we'll spend more time on that later. Where do people? I want people to get the book, though, because and I understand for this audience, it's going to be a reach to buy a book where you're going to spend some time with AOC. <laughs> but to understand the populist right and to understand Devil's Bargain, this is really the sequel, which is about the populist left. Where, where do they go and where do they find you? How do they get all the information about where you uh, where you are in your writings? Uh, you, you know, you can get the book on Amazon. You can get the book in your local bookstore. Uh, I'm at I'm at Twitter or X at uh, at Joshua Green. Um, you know, you can read my stuff at Bloomberg and, uh, you know, I'm sure you'll be giving me plenty of love on social media, Steve. So, uh, you know, my stuff is out there and look, this is written, not, this is written, not for, not for a lefty audience. I mean, people who want to understand the broad history of populism on the right, on the left, this is required reading along with devil's bargain. You read two, you read those two books and you'll be very much up to speed on where American politics is in 2024. And by the way, our audience gets it. The most fascinating thing about watching you go around with this book is how when you're talking in these interviews, people can't even get their heads around it. They can't get their heads around populism. They still, the corporate media still refuses. And I think you've enlightened people that the mainstream media really looks at personalities, right? They don't look at the underlying forces that are driving things. So yeah. anyway, thank you so much for coming into the war room. I appreciate it, brother. Thanks for Josh having me. Josh Green. Devil, Devil's Bargain and now The Rebels. Very, uh, very insightful, a fight against the populist right. Here's the problem with Biden. He's not a true populist. Also, also, the populism on the left has a fundamental flaw to it, as I've always said with Bernie. That is this situation with immigration. Remember, Bernie used to be one of the biggest fire breathers about immigration, but not when he started to rise in the Democratic Party. That is the central weakness 
of the populism of the left. Okay, short commercial break. We got a lot to go through in the last segment. Stick around in the war room. Traditional corporate media is crumbling. Why? Because they're hiding something, something big. People are realizing that they're being lied to left and right, even by institutions they thought they could trust. But you, you've known the truth all along. You also know that time to prepare for what's coming is right now. Don't delay, no hesitancy, but right now. Get started by going to MyPatriotSupply.com. There you'll save $200 on an essential three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. Over the years, My Patriot Supply has helped millions of American families prepare for emergencies. Yours should be next. Sealed inside, ultra-durable packaging, their delicious meals last up to 25 years in storage and provide over 2,000 calories a day. Eat right when things go wrong with these three-month emergency food kits from My Patriot Supply. With $200 in savings, you can get enough for each family member. They deserve your protection. Today, go to MyPatriotSupply.com. Order by 3 p.m. for free same-day shipping. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. Do it today. Use your agency. Action, action, action. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bann. Uh, by the way, you're shutting down everything today, Warb. You're, you're, you're blasting sites. Josh Green's just informed me that I think almost 125 to 150 people have already followed him from this audience on his interview, which is like surreal. Uh, this is why people want to come. I mean, Josh is one of the most respected journalists over Bloomberg. And look, Bloomberg, as you know, that's the one of the it's the terminal for the enemy. Uh, but he's considered one of the brightest young guys there. Follows populist, follows President Trump and the populist movement closely. Here's why. The money wants to know what you think. That what Josh Green's interview was, was the money having respect for this audience to come and say, hey, let's explain the way we see it. That's respect, and that's because you have power. Uh, Chris Murphy, uh, Grace just got me. Chris Murphy, the senator from uh, Connecticut. Remember, Murphy is a guy that sees himself as president of the United States one day, just always like Rokahana, Chris Murphy. These are guys in the Democrat Party that look in the mirror and see a president of the United States. Murphy's trying to be all things to all people, right? He's trying to be a populist, but he's also trying to be a globalist. He's trying to, he's trying to, he's trying to thread the needle. He just came out and said, hey, they have a deal. They're going to put the text out over the weekend, so we're going to get to the ramparts. Uh, we got massive fights. We've got the the the, the uh, uh, border uh, bill, which is really an amnesty bill. We have this Ukraine fiasco right now. They're trying to fire the lead general. There's a coup, soft coup going on in Ukraine. They're going to try to put the Israel. And look, we're pro-Israel, pro-defensive Israel, but the fourteen billion dollars got to be offset. You cannot do a clean one. We're not going into that business. And we got to defeat this tax bill. You guys are going to have your hands full because you stand up for the American people. You stand up for the American people. You have President Trump's back. So we got a lot to do today. Uh, I'm going to be with uh, Carrie Lake and with um, Carrie Lake and um, and Eli Crane later. Uh, want to make sure you guys, in fact, six o'clock uh, out in uh, Arizona time, we'll be in Prescott. I want to make sure Grace and Captain Bannon on Captain Bannon's special day get that information out there. You'll see Carrie, Eli, and myself uh, I think the town hall in Prescott, Arizona. So make sure you check. Weather is quite bad out uh, this way uh, today, but make sure that uh, you, you get there if you're in that general area. Mike Lindell, very special announcement, Brother Lindell. <clears throat> and here's how I know it's a special announcement. 
Mike Lindell is finally not going to do an announcement by himself. Who do you got? What do you got? What do you got for us? <laughs> well, Steve, these, we've all been working on these, uh, these great people here. I've been working for two years vetting entrepreneurs and, and their products from all over our great country. And now we have thousands of these products up on mystore.com and you can all use the promo code WARROOM. I mean, we have, these are made in the USA socks. I, tr I use them. They're awesome. And uh, you're helping all the entrepreneurs in our country. We've got a, this is the one that, uh, like this here, this is, you've all seen the, the uh, paintings. We've got, uh, here's placemats. This is my friend. This particular entrepreneur is my friend, Jim Hansel. He's a legally blind painter and he makes all kinds of paintings. This is actually a doormat, a placemat. And uh, Steve, this new platform helps. Everyone needs a place to put their products. Consider it like a, a mini Amazon, but we're gonna get bigger than Amazon. That's my goal for the USA products. And um, these guys, it's been, uh, it's been quite, a, quite a great time isn't it, for you guys, sure betting is. all the entrepreneurs and, the, and their products. And they bring the products to me all the time. They go, what do you think of this? And what do you think it was made in the USA? And you guys can go there. If you go there to the website, um, you, uh, you can, they're all categorized just like, uh, just like on Amazon, uh, you've got beauty, you've got, uh, um, well, you got everything, right? Outdoors, outdoor kitchen. products, kitchen products, home um, essentials. Uh, home essentials. But, 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 but Mike, uh, Mike, 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 hang, 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 hang on a second. The overall theme, we, we have categories, right? One of our categories is alternative economy for people who support your values. You have to stop right. giving money to people that hate you. And that is the central thing of this alternative patriot economy of people that can come up and provide these type of access to products and services. So, so walk me through the value set of the folks that we're presenting the, uh, the goods and services from. Yeah, all these, all the, you know, this goes back, Steve, about three years ago, uh, three, four years ago. And I said, all these entrepreneurs, they were having to go through what I went through with my pillow. And I would, I had all these blocks and you get on Amazon, you're copied, you got all this stuff made in China. All of a sudden you look up and you get in the box stores, you're copied and, and, uh, or, and uh, you get up on Facebook and all these other platforms and it costs so much to be up there. Well, now I've got a safe haven for the entrepreneurs and their products. And uh, it means every, it means everything to them. It's a, they're, they put them up there and we bring the people to the site, themystore.com, and helping everyone in this country, um, have, helping you all at home get the best products made in the USA, and uh, and helping these great entrepreneurs. We need to we need to all buy USA, make it here, and uh, get back to a great place that this country can be. And uh, this is just part of the process. And they they're trying to look. They're trying to destroy my pillow. And think of the little entrepreneurs out there. I know what I went through back then to get a product to market, to uh, get, to get a place to sell it, and and now we have it with mystore.com. And uh, what these guys have been doing for about two years right now, two two years. It took a long time, Stephen, to vet the entrepreneurs, vet the products, and and uh, just keep onboarding them. And now we're ready. We're we're ready. It's like you get there, you can shop all day long and support. 
everything made in the USA, but support these families. There are stories. If you go to mystore.com and you scroll down, everybody, each entrepreneur has their own story. So you click on it and they'll tell their story there. They're, it's a great place just to go there and, and hang out and listen to every, every one of these stories. You go to the sock. These guys, uh, you go to their socks. Yeah, there you go. It's a website. As you scroll down, you'll see all the products. And then as you, as you keep going there, um, you get down you and it'll, it'll tell you all the um, um, every entrepreneur has their journey in there. And it's so interesting. And um, we, uh, you know, to be able to, to do this, this is really this is absolutely one of the most uh, incredible platforms because there you go. You got the bottom. You got Mike's likes wow. there. And um, okay. where do where do you go once again? I want everybody to go. Where do people go right now? We want to crash this site. We've crashed two others this yeah, yeah. morning. I you want guys, to crash this one. Where do they go? Yeah. yeah. Oh, by the way, there's a little shopping channel there, too. Remember, I've been kicked off the shopping channels. When you go to mystore.com, you can hit the <laughs> shopping channel there. Use the promo code War Room, everybody. Every single thing on the site, we set it up today so the War Room Posse can get anything on there for the discounts. It'll have the War Room discount on there. So yeah. go to the, the you can yeah. watch, I forgot about the shopping channel. You guys, War Room, and you can use the, <laughs> the same 1-800 number for the My Pillow. My operator's standing by there. Okay. And, uh, Thank you, brother. Okay. Uh, Charlie Kirk is next for two hours. Poster after that, we are back five to seven here in the War Room. See you then. The apples in your holiday pie taste amazing, but it's not exactly the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables. The Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and your cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day, which, as you know, is almost impossible. That's why you need to check out Field of Greens. Every fruit and vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs like your heart, your lungs, your kidneys, and your immune system. Yo, folks, the holidays are here, and you need to stay healthy. Plus, you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier. Field of Greens is the simplest way to get those daily fruits and veggies, and it tastes amazing. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com. Use promo code Bannon. That's promo code Bannon at fieldofgreens.com fieldofgreens.com make sure you take take it today use your agency action 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 fieldofgreens.com promo code bannon 60 if you want to take care of your heart and those you care about please go to warroomhealth.com that's warroomhealth.com all one word warroomhealth.com use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment that's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67% and do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today. Check it out.